of this great congregation for this opportunity to be here with you this morning. What a privilege that it is to be asked to speak, but also an even greater privilege it is to ask to, be, to speak on a, a lectureship such as this. I'm very thankful for the wonderful prayer this morning, and I'm thankful for all of the prayers that have been led as well as the wonderful song leading. It is wonderful to be able to sing these beautiful hymns and to truly mean them, is it not? And I was thinking this morning as we sang, I'm redeemed, how that we know in our hearts, the biblical heart, that we are redeemed because of our obedience to the gospel and our faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Likewise, when we sing the words, I'll live on, it carries a special meaning, does it not, to be able to sing those words with a confidence, with a boldness. And I love hearing godly men pray. I'm very, again, thankful for the prayer. And as he prayed something very important this morning, he prayed that the young minds may be able to understand the words that are being taught this morning. I took a page from Brother Eddie Brinkley. Many of you all may have heard uh, him preach, and he said something while at our gospel meeting. He said he keeps his bucket low so everybody can slop. Well, I try to emulate that uh, because it is important for everyone to understand what is being preached. And this morning, I again would like to thank this congregation for hosting this lectureship, for all of the efforts, all of the hard work, all of the challenges that you've overcome in promoting and producing good news today. I'm very thankful for Brother Dearman. I'm thankful for Sister Janice and for their good work, their long uh, life that they have spent in the service of our Lord and our Savior. But this morning we're starting off on a great note. I, I told uh, Brother Dearman that every time you hear a good preacher preach, it makes you want to get up to preach. Well, I'll tell you, brother, I want to get up and preach this morning. I'm very thankful for that outstanding lesson, and I'm looking forward to uh, the segments. I've always been a, a supporter of the program in my viewership, even when I lived in Alabama. I supported the program through my viewership there. I've always enjoyed the program, and I'm just thankful to even be considered to be a part of this. Out of all of the brothers in the brotherhood in this area, I really truly consider myself to be the least and to really be considered for such a, a program as this, I am extremely humbled. I've been told by many that I have a face for radio. So as you know, that that will be a challenge for me as well. Our uh, 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 brother Leroy said this morning that it was a challenge for him to get here this morning. And if you traveled I-75, I'm sure it was a challenge for you. But this morning, as we think about our topic, it is, of course, challenges. Now, not just any kind of challenges, but we're going to specifically deal with challenges that face you and me. And I pray that, that all who are here this morning have obeyed the gospel of Christ, have put on your Lord in baptism. But if you have not, I pray that you will listen very closely to the words that are going to be preached and also during the next hour as well. But we all face challenges, but specifically as Christians, we face different types of challenges. 
There are those that wake up in the morning and some of the greatest challenges that they'll ever face perhaps would be choosing what they wear from their closet. To them, that's a great challenge. And there are others who wake up in the morning with their hearts heavy because of what the day is about to bring their way. And as we see throughout our lesson, I pray this morning as well as throughout the program, that the Christian faces a entirely and completely different group and set of challenges. You see, as a Christian, we will face not only challenges from the world, but our Lord, the Heavenly Father, will challenge us. From time to time, He will place challenges before us so that we will be tried, and there is a purpose for that. And Lord willing, as we continue on in the program, we're going to bring these points out. But our Lord will challenge us. Our Lord challenges us to be faithful. He will try us in order to prove us. But likewise, the world is going to challenge us. But the motives behind the challenges of the world are not the motives that are behind the challenges from our Lord. You see, when our Lord challenges us, He expects and desires that we grow, that we become stronger, that our faith becomes stronger, and so we can overcome the other challenges that we face in the world. Oftentimes, the challenges that the world places before us are stumbling blocks. They try to trick us. They try to ask questions that may be trickery in their sense, in their eyes. But we can overcome those challenges when we faithfully serve our Lord. And this morning, we must understand what is meant by the word challenge. Well, that word challenge is used really in two different ways. It can be used as a noun. Or it can be used as a verb. For example, in its noun sense, the word challenge is defined as a call or summons to engage in something that is very difficult by nature or something that causes us to have some sort of special effort involved in overcoming that challenge. Again, our Lord is going to challenge us. He is going to want us to grow, and that is the means by which we can grow. We grow by overcoming those challenges. But the world, again, is going to place challenges before us, not because they love us, but rather because they want to see us fail. Isn't it sad to see how many of these denominational preachers who have professed a life of piety and who have professed a life of faithfulness, and then they're caught in some scandal? What does that do? That causes the world to think that everyone who is religious is a hypocrite. But you see, they are not following the doctrine of Christ and they themselves are not members of the body of Christ. And so they do not truly represent the Lord's church. But they do cause others in the world to think negatively about anything spiritual. Well, in the verb sense, that word challenge, another particular or concept of challenge or challenges refers to the difficulty in a job or the undertaking that is stimulating to the one that is engaged in it. And that's going to be the, be the primary focus of the segments on Good News Today. We're going to discuss those difficulties that we face as Christians, the challenges that we face every day. Now, I submit to you this morning that if you're not facing any challenge, 
go to the words of Timothy when he says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Because if you're not facing any challenges, then you need to circumspectly review your life. That is to say, as they did in Jerusalem, they would walk around the walls to inspect for any sort of areas where the enemy may breach. We must do the same in our lives. We must walk around ourselves, if you will, to understand where there may be weak areas where we face challenges. And if we do have weak areas, what do we do? We would do as they did. We would fortify that area. We would make that area stronger. So as we think about the difficulties in life, the word challenge has many synonyms. We can use the word confrontation. When we are confronted, that is a challenge that we face. When we are provoked, the word provocation. When those in the world and worldly values and things that will provoke us, when they come our way, it provides to us a challenge. The idea of an obstacle, that likewise is the idea or thought of a challenge. I think it's amazing that people can run in the Olympics and jump over those hurdles that are about this high. Think of all that they have to do to train in order to, to overcome that hurdle or that obstacle. In our lives, we oftentimes face hurdles and obstacles that we must overcome. We find as well the idea or the word demanding. Many of the challenges that we face in life are truly demanding. They sometimes will take so much out of us that we may feel completely exhausted. We may feel, feel as if we can't go on. We see the word trying. Challenges will try us in many ways. Challenges will test us. We see also the word threat. Challenges pose a threat to us. You see, how we face our challenges is going to have a bearing on our eternal destination. Well, it was Bernice Reagan who was credited with these words. She spoke, life's challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They're supposed to help you discover who you are. And that is so true, is it not? That as we face a challenge, the true self comes out. And when we think about facing challenges, we find our true selves in even desiring to face them. You see, challenges can either make you, they will make you stronger. Job 23 verse 10, as he said that as he has tried, he shall come forth as gold. He will be pure. It is the sense that when we overcome a challenge, we are then filled with a sense of self-confidence. We are then filled with that self-satisfaction that we understand that there was a challenge set before us, but with the help of the Lord, we overcame it. And that causes us then to have a great emboldened nature. It causes us to have a confidence in facing the very next challenge as well. It was the silversmith who was visited by a townsperson. And he was very curious as to how it was that silver was purified. The silversmith said, well, I heat the silver up to a great degree of, of heat and the dross, the impurities rise to the top. The man said, well, how do you know when the silver is pure? The silversmith said, when I see my reflection in the silver. That is the very same principle in overcoming challenges. But also challenges can make one weaker. Have you ever succumbed to a, a trial or a challenge where it defeated you? Perhaps you felt disappointment. 
Perhaps you felt guilt or shame, but it is true that after facing a challenge, whether you overcome it or whether you succumb to it, it is the case that no one is ever the same after facing a challenge. You see, when we go through challenges in our lives, it is going to affect us one way or another. And the way we are affected by our challenges will determine how we face future challenges. Why is it that so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are not present today? Well, I'm sure very many times we pray for legitimate reasons, as our brother prayed this morning. But haven't there been some that have left the faith? Haven't there been many who once put on their Lord in baptism and were here and serving the Lord faithfully in their attendance and in, their, in all of their efforts, but then they have left? Perhaps it was a challenge that they faced. They did not overcome it. And perhaps they, they either said that, that they became better by it, which would make them stronger, or it would make them bitter. Or some just say, why bother? If I'm going to face these challenges as, as a Christian, if I'm going to suffer persecution, then why bother? But you see, that's the broad way, Matthew 7 and verse 14. And many there be that go in thereat. We must understand that on that strict way, Matthew 7, verse 13, on that narrow way, on that restricted path, we're going to face challenges. And our Lord wants us to face them successfully. Well, as Christians, we basically face two categories of challenges. We face either challenges from within or we face challenges from without. Open your Bibles to James, if you will, James chapter 1. And we will note that when James begins his great treatise, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And after he gives his introduction and his greeting, notice that he begins in verse 2 when he says, Beloved, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But, he says, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But, notice there's a qualifier there. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, which is driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he should receive anything of the Lord. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. James then goes on and he goes on to tell us that let the brother of a low degree rejoice and that he is exalted. He breaks us down into a different, another category. He says, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. James goes on to tell us that these trials and these temptations, that they're not going to last forever. They're only going to last for the time in which we live. And that should comfort us and that should give us great boldness in facing these challenges. So we will face challenges, no doubt, from outward trials. Outward trials challenges. But then James makes a transition here in verse 13. He goes now to the idea of inner challenges, the inner trials that we face. Notice he begins in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted, notice this, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now we find here a progression that as we face inward challenges, then we are going to 
be challenged or tempted to be drawn away of our own desires. Now, there is a key, I believe, in overcoming challenges, and I'm not going to give that away just yet. We're going to notice that a little bit later on in, in this lesson this morning. But there's a key here, but I want to plant the seed first. When we are drawn away of our own lust and our own enticement, we are in essence providing challenges for ourselves that we truly do not desire to overcome. And notice that James continues to say that when lust hath conceived and bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death, eternal separation from the Heavenly Father. So we face outward trials. We face inward trials. I like what our brother Guyan Wood said in regards to James chapter 1. He said the shift, speaking of the shift from outward to inward, is a natural one and to be expected from the contemplation of those outward trials which inevitably beset men in life. It is an easy transition to the inner conflicts which are no less serious obstacles to faithfulness and piety on the part of the disciples of the Lord. And yes, we're going to face outward and inward challenges. But what are some of the challenges that we face as Christians? We're going to look at 10 this morning, but there are countless numbers of challenges, and those challenges are different. Some challenges may be different for you than they may be for me. And so we have to understand that as Christians, we may face different challenges, but we can overcome those challenges in the same way. So we're going to look basically just at 10 challenges this morning. And some of these are the challenges that we're going to discuss on the program in upcoming uh, episodes. Number one, as Christians, we face challenges, do we not, to our faith. The Hebrews writer said in Hebrews 11 verse 6, For without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, we must grow in our faith. Paul exhorts us to take the shield of faith in speaking of the armor that the Christian is to bear. And as we are to grow in our faith, we must understand that there is a connection of studying God's Word and applying God's Word in growing in the faith. The devil is going to tempt us, just as he tempted our Lord. We read of that in Matthew chapter 4. And as he tempts us, he's going to use the same old playbook that he's always used. 1 John 2, verse 16, tempt us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. That is the summation of all of the sin that takes place in the world. And that is going to be a challenge to our faith. But likewise, we face challenges, do we not, in battling change agents. Oh, I weep and I am so sad to hear that a body of Christ, a church of Christ, has been cowered into taking the name of Jesus Christ off of their sign. You're familiar, I'm sure, of the incidents that have taken place. The idea is that, well, the very concept of the church of Christ is negative. People know about the church of Christ, and, and that shines some bad light upon that. And so therefore, in order to make it more pleasing, we're going to take the name of Christ off. And we're going to simply call ourselves the whatever church. How sad that it is. 
that change agents such as this, taking the name of, of Christ off of the, the building, or, or those who now say that, that it is perfectly acceptable in the Word of God that, that women be preachers, that, that they can bring a piano in. These are challenges in change agents that we will face. We also face challenges, do we not, in refuting false doctrine. Studying with friends in the denominational world is very difficult. I would much rather study with someone who has no religious affiliation than someone who has a tie to a religious group. You see, what happens is, is when you're studying, if you put your hand up against someone's hand, and if you just leave it there, all is well and good. But the moment you begin to push, what happens? They push back. And the same concept is true when it comes to our teaching. As long as what we are teaching is in agreement with what they have been taught, there is truly no challenge. But when we begin to teach things that they had not been taught or that goes directly against what they have been taught, they begin to mentally push back. And that's a challenge, is it not? We find also we face challenges during times of discouragement. Perhaps there may be some here this morning who had a sleepless night. Perhaps this morning you, you woke up because you had a restless night. Or maybe discouragement has caused you to become complacent, apathetic in your service and zeal for the Lord. Perhaps negative thoughts have creeped in and they've discouraged you. It's a challenge. Challenges that we must face and overcome. We face challenges in times of doubt. Doubting perhaps God's love and care for us. Doubt is to faith what darkness is to light. Doubt always begins with what if. That's a challenge. We face the challenges of the what ifs in life, but the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 13 verse 5 clearly states that Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. We face challenges in dealing with modernism as well as in dealing with pluralism. How many times have you heard that the Bible is old and outdated? It's old-fashioned. Bring us a new gospel. Bring us an exciting gospel. Entertain me, but don't long detain me. That is the idea, is it not, behind modernism. Pluralism. The thought that all religions are equal and can coexist peacefully. Brethren, I can show you by the newspaper or television this morning that that is not true. Just look what's happening over in the Middle East. The idea of coexisting. The idea of pluralism is a challenge. Jeremiah said, ask for the old paths. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. We face challenges also, do we not, in dealing with negative people. It has been said that either you are a bucket, a source from which to draw, or you're the dipper. A source that draws from others. You see, negative people will drain our enthusiasm. And that's a challenge. What about facing the challenge of loneliness? Oh, I, I love to go and visit widows and widowers. Do you know that sometimes when you go and visit a widow or a widower, you may be the only person they've seen that day? Did you know that's a challenge for them? That's an inward challenge over which they must overcome. 
But if you and I can help them to overcome a challenge in their lives, a brother or sister in Christ, let us bear their burdens. Galatians 6 and verse 1, Paul is speaking, of course, of bearing the burdens that we carry around because of the, the, the mourning of our sin. But do we not also bear their burdens in time of loneliness? What about also the challenges we face in handling time and our, our priorities? We may feel as if there's not enough time in the day to get things done. That's a challenge, is it not? Sometimes when, when I wake up, I look at my calendar, my schedule, and I think, will I have any time today to spend with my family? Will I be able to overcome this challenge today? Will I be able to do all of these things that I hope to do? That's a challenge as well as in priorities. You know, it is the case, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And sometimes when, when you're prepared to do something and you've, you've gotten your mindset to perhaps sit down and study the Word of God, preachers, you know what I'm talking about. You have set aside that time to study and to immerse yourself into the bread of life and then you get that phone call and you're carried away. It's a challenge. But we can face that challenge and we can overcome that challenge. What about facing challenges in famili uh, familial relationships? You know, it was George Burns that said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring family in another city. <laughs> Sometimes we will face challenges from our own family members, will we not? And as we face those challenges, we must understand that we are to love the Lord above father and mother and son and daughter. But that is no, in no essence, does that take away the difficulty of the challenge? Well, we, we likewise find that a major factor in overcoming the challenges in our lives is to overcome the fear of facing them. I, I told Brother David just a few minutes ago how I enjoyed his sermon, that, that this particular sermon no doubt is building upon his, and, and I love I, I, the, the way the Word of God is, is alive, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever studied with someone and then you started chasing a rabbit? But then somehow, throughout the, the, the Word of God, that rabbit comes right back to where you were. How beautiful the Word of God is. It's alive, it's powerful, and there is that power. I love what our brother David said. The words of, of Steve Hall or David Smith or Leroy Dedman, we are simply servants speaking the Word. It is the Word that has the power to change, Romans 1 and verse 16. But we find that as we overcome fear, we will be better equipped to handle our challenges. Now, the idea of fear in the sense of reverence toward God is something we must possess. We must have a reverential fear toward God because of His omnipotence, because of His omniscience, because of His omnipresence. We must fear God. But we must understand that in order to overcome the challenges that the world places before us, we cannot show fear. Notice what happens, if you will, in Numbers chapter 14. You remember the incident. The 12 spies were sent out. And as the 12 spies were spying out the land, they came back and 10 of them gave false reports. Only two, Caleb and Joshua, gave what the Lord wanted them to give as a report. And notice in Numbers 14 verse 9 that we find that only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. 
Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Notice that Caleb and Joshua were ready to go and face this challenge. They were ready to go forth because they knew that with the Lord they could face any challenge. In Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1, David writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth do change, and though the mountains be shaken into the heart of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains tremble with the swelling thereof, Selah. You know what Selah means? It means simply to meditate or think upon these things. The psalmist says, think upon this. I remember it was in July of 2005. I was privileged to go to, to the country of Jamaica and to spend two weeks there. While I was there, a great hurricane, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was Hugo in 2005. Don't hold me to that. But it was a great hurricane that was coming our way. And I was, was no doubt not sure of what was going to happen. On this small island, these, these great winds and the great waters that were roaring and the great water that was being troubled was coming our way. But why fear? You see, the Lord says that, that He is our refuge. That He is our strength. I did not put my trust that day in those concrete walls. I put my trust in the Lord to overcome those challenges. Our Lord said in Matthew 10, verse 28, 28, And be not afraid of them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the idea of a reverential fear as opposed to a paralyzing fear that will stop us from overcoming these challenges. Now, the words fear not are recorded in your King James Bible 148 times. In the fifth vision, in a series of nine visions, God appeared unto Abram. And he was at Hebron, and he was just returning from the rescuing of his nephew Lot. And there was a possibility now that those people that he had invaded to rescue Lot would come and seek revenge and retribution. It was a challenge. But our Lord said, After these things the word of Jehovah came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Genesis 15, verse 1. It was on moving to Beersheba that God appeared unto Isaac, and perhaps out of fear of the Philistines that Isaac moved all the way to Beersheba. With this vision, Isaac knew that all things would be well. Genesis 26 and verse 24. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Isaac could overcome that challenge. In Israel's journey to Egypt, as far as the divine record states, this was the last of eight appearances wherein God appeared unto Jacob, but Jehovah assured him that he would have his divine assurance. In Genesis 46, verse 3, And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Moses reminded the people of their march from Oreb to Gadesh Barnea. Through the great land and through that great wilderness, they had unbelieving hearts. They perhaps in their own minds had 
decided that God was not trustworthy. But we find these words in Deuteronomy 1, verse 21. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. It was the five kings that were captured by Joshua and the Israelites of that day. And wanting to put on a display of superiority over the kings, this man Joshua, the, the, one of the spies who said, let us go in, Joshua charged their soldiers to have no fear over the enemy. In Joshua 10, verse 25, And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do all your enemies to all your enemies against whom ye fight. It was the Syrians that had surrounded Dothan in order to try to capture Elisha because they felt that if they could capture Elisha, then they would be able to strike fear into the hearts of those who were there. But Elisha prayed that his servant, that God would open his eyes so that he would be able to see the protection of God and thus know that he could overcome this challenge. In 2 Kings 6 and verse 16, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they which be with them. It was a promise of a blessing that was given to Judah. That in their repentance, and that since it would be aptly demonstrated that there would be no longer a need for fear, but God would rather provide unto them all of not only their spiritual but temporal blessings. In Joel 2 verse 21, we read, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Likewise, it was the words of our Lord directed to the apostles. They were subject to fears, were they not, relating to the outward state and their condition. When they had been told to fear not, history records for us that all of the apostles, except for one, died a martyr's death. What a great challenge. But our Lord, in preparing them for this challenge, said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12 and verse 32. A key to overcoming our challenges is to not fear them. But we have been given many biblical examples, have we not, of those who have overcome challenges in their lives. Think about Joseph. In Genesis 37, verse 19 through verse 36, his older brothers hated him. He was sold into captivity. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. What great challenges that he had to overcome. What about the challenges of Naomi? We read in Ruth chapter 1 that Naomi, her husband Elimelech, and their two sons, Malon and Kileon, they left because of a famine. They went into a foreign land, did they not? And as they went into this foreign land, they were around and surrounded by idolatry. It was Malon that married Ruth, and it was Kalion that married Orpah. Orpah decided not to return with Naomi, but Ruth did. Naomi faced many challenges. What about the challenges of Esther? Remember that she was orphaned at a very young age, put under the care of her uncle Mordecai. She was called forth to be the one to give or to send salvation to her people. She had to go and face the king. Now, this was not something that was to be taken lightly. This was a great challenge. If you went into the king's chambers and you were not called and it was not something that was agreeable, you could be put to death. If the king did not extend his scepter to you, you would die. 
What a great challenge that Esther had to overcome. What about also the great example of Job and how he faced his challenges? Turn with me over to Job chapter 1, and I, I just want to show something to you this morning, that Job was not a material man. Job could care less about material things. He, he was not materialistic. You remember that we find in the beginning of Job that his servants came to him and said that his oxen had been killed, his donkeys had been uh, taken away, rather, and, and the sheep had been killed, and, and the Chaldeans had come, in verse 17, and taken the camels away. Think of all of this bad news, his wealth, his substance, his security. What a great challenge. Have you lost your job recently? That's a challenge. A challenge that you're going to have to face in getting a new job. But notice what happened now. All of these things that Job lost, they were material. But notice in verse seven or in verse twenty, Job was a man of meaning. Out of all of these things, we're told in verse eighteen, beginning, that his children died. His children were killed. And in verse twenty, notice this. Then notice that little word. It was only after being told that his children had died. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped him. I cannot imagine losing a child. It just seems so unnatural. But maybe you're facing that challenge today. Just as Job overcame it, he grew. He was a progressive character. In Job 7, in verse 3, he says, So I am made to possess months of misery, and wearisome nights are appointed me, when I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossing to and fro until the dawning of the day. Oh, when is this night going to end? There was a country song that was, came out many years ago, a song praying for daylight. The idea behind it is, is that these nights are so full of dread and I'm so lonely. When is it going to end? That's a challenge. But notice how Job progresses in Job 17, verse 15. He says, where then is my hope? He knew there was hope, but where is this hope? And as for my hope, who shall see it? And these wonderful words in Job 19, 25. When he says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and at that last day he will stand upon the earth. Notice the progression through which Job went to overcome his challenges. Very much the same as what we go through today. But no doubt the greatest of all in concerning overcoming our challenges is no doubt our Lord and our Savior, Christ Jesus. What sad words to read in John chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. What a great challenge that he faced. We find that in 1 Corinthians 15 as well, that some of his brethren did not even believe in him, his own brothers, but yet after the resurrection they believed. He faced the challenge of the cross. And notice that he faced the challenge in his teaching. John 6, verse 66, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Oh, it is a challenge, is it not, preachers? To know that you're about to preach on a very difficult topic and that, that some of those ears in that auditorium may not want to hear it, but you preach it anyway. Because that's what we are to do. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Brother Marshall Keeble used to say that means when they like it and when they don't like it. So that means that we preach the Word of God in its entirety and its whole counsel. You know, the Word of God has a different effect, does it not, on ears? 
Why is it that you can preach a sermon on faithful attendance and there be some that leave the auditorium uplifted and encouraged and ready to go and do the work and others leave and say, that was the most discouraging thing I've ever heard. You see, it's because the word, that has the effect. But we preach it anyway. Jesus knew that there'd be some that would leave. We find in John 7 verse 1 that even as he goes out and preaches, even his own people, his own citizens of his hometown wanted to kill him. What a great challenge that he had to overcome. Now, here's the key that I've been saving up this whole time. How do we overcome our challenges? Four words. The same words that Jesus spoke. Thy will be done. Though he were a son, he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Hebrews 5, verse 8, and verse 9. You see, life itself is a series of challenges, whether great or whether small. But no doubt we're going to face challenges every day, and if we want to be successful in facing life's challenges, we need to possess a positive mindset based upon the wisdom of God. With our minds balanced and focused upon the will and the word of God, we can then respond to and overcome any challenge that comes our way. Now, it is the case that Either we will defeat our challenges or our challenges will defeat us. The word resilient, I love just that word itself, but that word resilience it means the process of facing challenges and bouncing back successfully without becoming too negatively affected by the process. That is how we must come through our challenges. But remember, our Lord overcame the greatest challenge of all, the challenge of the cross, so that he would leave for us an example, so that he would leave for us the courage to overcome our challenges. The Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, remember the great chapter before in Hebrews 11, the great examples of faith. He says, Therefore, let us also, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight, every challenge, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is my prayer that this program will continue on and will always be a source of encouragement, will be a source of truth in helping our brethren be edified, but also in helping others, the lost, to come to a knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.